21CL Radio. You're listening to the Run Your Life podcast with host Andy Vassar. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to my GES Insightful Classroom Teacher Series. Uh, in today's episode, we have a, a new teacher at the school. Her name is Siobhan, but Siobhan is spelt... S-I-O-B-H-A-N. And I remember seeing the spelling of that for the first time, and I was like, I don't know how to say that, so I'm not going to say your name until I hear other people say it. <laughs> don't worry. That's very common. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess to give a little bit of backstory, Siobhan has an interesting story herself because those of you listening to this podcast who are international teachers um, have that experience of what it's like to teach in international schools. So Siobhan is actually what we call a third culture kid, meaning that she grew up in a different country outside of her home of America. So I'm just going to have Siobhan um, just kind of give a glimpse into that experience sure. and what that was like. So why don't you tell okay. everybody where you started life? Well, I uh, well I was born in New Orleans, um, but at two and a half, my dad uh, decided to move us to West Africa, um, specifically to Tema, which is a port city um, outside of Accra. And so we moved to Ghana when I was two and a half, uh, two siblings, older siblings than myself. And so really, I have no recollection of anything but Africa as being my home. Um, and it was it was a wonderful lifestyle. Until what age? Until I was 12 and a half. Okay. So uh, at that point, I moved back to the States. Uh, and that, to me, was daunting. It was actually a really traumatic experience because it was so different to what I had That would have been in grade four? No, grade five or six. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that's like so a pivotal time. Yeah, yeah sure. That's adolescence, so that must have been tough. What was the name of the school? That I went to? In, in Ghana. Ghana. It was called Valco Community School. Okay. And it's no longer in existence. It was just a, a school for the, for the plant, for the aluminum company. How do you think that experience, if you reflect back now, being a difficult time and a difficult adjustment going to middle school in the States, in reflecting back, what, what skills or dispositions did that provide you with? You know, like what did you learn from that experience that later in life you can reflect on saying, you know, that experience really opened my mind or gave me new experiences? I guess what you learned up. in Africa growing okay. up, what do you think you learned from that experience that you were right. able to That's apply? such a great question because I think specifically now being a teacher, I really, I really take what I, um, what I experienced as an international student and I'm able to apply that to, to my students because we were a very diverse community. Um, I mean, in my class alone, I think my class at the time was the largest and we had 14 kids. But there was, um, we had kids from the UK, from India, from all, you know, as you would in international schools yeah. today. Um, but it just was an awareness. I don't think it was different to me. It's just what I knew. It's what I understood. I think my level of empathy and tolerance um, was a lot greater than yeah. those of the kids that 
I met when I went to the States. Yeah, um, my boys, um, so we've been in the system now for many years, almost 20 years now, and my boys, Eli and Ty, who are in grades six and eight, know nothing but the, the system. So for them, when they go back to Canada, they really are just so open-minded to uh, intercultural diversity, and it's just part of the way they grew up. Right. So to them, they don't understand racial issues that are happening in the states and, and Canada. They don't. They can't get their head around that because they just don't understand it. Which to me is such a great tool for them moving forward in their life to be truly internationally minded and truly open minded and and just work together with anybody. Absolutely. You know? And and I'm so grateful because of that opportunity. Because full circle, that's what brought me to teaching. Yeah. Abroad. Um, I think that, you know, having returned back to the States and sort of adapted and and conformed, uh, there was always a piece of me that felt like, but there's something better out there. And so, yeah, so when I became a teacher, that's what happened. I It fell into my hands, but I was able to um, then seek out a position, a teaching position overseas where I was then as an adult be able to, to be able to experience the yeah. other side. Of and it. so you grew up in Africa, went back, you were educated in middle school, high school, and university in the States. Yep. And then you threw your hat back in the international uh, teaching uh, ring, really. And you ended up in? I ended up in Sudan. You're right. So you went back, <laughs> back, to, Africa. back to Africa. Home is where the heart is. Absolutely. And, and subsequently went back again to teach in Nigeria. So... Okay. I've done, yeah. Um, it's it, I, Africa is amazing. It's a, it's yeah. a wonderful place to be. Excellent. So you ended up here at Kaos this year. This is your first year. So I guess this is a nice time to segue into what you're here today to share with the listeners. So what do you want to talk about today? So I'd like to talk about responsive classroom and specifically um, what that looks like in an elementary classroom. Um, so responsive classroom is basically an approach to teaching that really um, helps foster a positive um, community, a positive culture within the school. Um, Focuses on the social and emotional. Social, emotional, and and academic um, um, skills for kids. And we were talking before the show about responsive classroom is a huge thing, right? Right. And rather than going into um, that big that big thing of what it what it represents and what it is, you're going to come at it from your interpretation of responsive classroom and how you use responsive classroom strategies in your classroom, yeah, right? Sure. If you had to give a big kind of uh, definition of what it what it is, though, just a glimpse into it, what would that be? I think it's I think responsive classroom is very much uh, a forum for students to work in a respectful and positive um, community and to really develop their independence, their confidence, their even their assertiveness within um, a learning environment. Within respective, uh, respectful boundaries as well, right? right? Yeah. Okay, so in particular today, can you just talk about how you apply responsive classroom to the work that you do here at Coast? Sure. So um, one thing that I took away... Um, from the training that I did a couple of years ago was the morning meeting. And it's not really anything new. I think it's something that um, teachers do 
regularly, um, but it's an opportunity to touch base with your students every day and for them to really engage with each other. So there are four main components of morning meeting, and they are a greeting, um, and then you have, after the greeting, you have a sharing time mm-hmm. where they have an opportunity to each practice sharing something that's important to them. Then you have an activity that can engage them in a fun way. Mm-hmm. And then finally, on their morning message. So their morning message will set them up for what the day will look like for them. And if somebody was to not know anything about responsive classroom and walk into your classroom, what does that morning meeting actually look like? What right. can they expect to see? So um, the children come together in the morning um, and we sit on the carpet in a circle. And it takes about, it can take, about 15 to 20 minutes. It depends on how fully you um, use the approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some days when it, the schedule doesn't allow it, and so you can tailor it back. Um, but we start out with a greeting, and for example, today um, I can just walk you through what sure. our morning meeting yeah. will look like. That's great. Um, so our morning meeting this morning is going to have our greeting, which is going to be a ta-da greeting. Um, the kids really like this. Basically, I start off by greeting a student and using their name. So I would say, good morning, Andy. And then the students on either side of you and you would stand up. And the students on either side of you would give you uh, sort of a ta-da greeting with their hands out and and maybe waving sort of like a neon sign shining around you. And then that they carry on going around the circle. So I think it really allows each child to be in the limelight, to be in the spotlight, to be in the focus um, so there's a level of importance for each child. Right. Um, after the greeting, we do, we'll do a sharing activity. And today, because it's our, the last day of our week, we are going to look at our learning, home learning matrices. Okay. And students will be able to share what they've done, excuse me, what they've um, accomplished right. in their learning, home learning. Yeah. And that could be anything from a video that they may have made, a recipe that they want to share. Excellent. Um, uh, after that, we'll do an activity. And our activity today is going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, no problem. Um, a group activity where they um, will stand up and they'll do pirate. So mm-hmm. they'll put their hands over their eyes like a pirate. Right. There'll be a hula dancer or there'll be a weightlifter. So they okay. turn back to back. And then so there's a bit of drama correct. embedded yeah. within it. Yeah, and it's also a way to allow them to release some energy because they've been sat for a while. Yeah. And um, been still. Right. So do you notice on days when you don't um, have time to do responsive classroom, do you notice a difference in behavior or um, anything that will indicate that they haven't done it? Well, um, first of all, I never not I, I, there's oh, never a day when okay. I, I always, okay. because that's how much value I put into it. Right. I always make time for a morning meeting, yeah. always. Um, even if it means that I have to do it a bit later. I just think that there's that much value in it. Um, but I do notice that throughout the day, depending on what our schedule looks like, if the children haven't been able to be released, say, um, that yes, the energy levels build up. So yeah. naturally throughout the day, I will put in place or the kids will even ask for an energizer. Okay. And so we'll do that. And there's lots of uh, examples of what that can look like. Um, there's even online places that you can go. Go Noodle, for example, is a yeah. good one that we use. 
Um, but there's also, along with that, um, letting them release their energy that way, there's yeah. also a place built in after lunch for some quiet time. And that quiet time for us looks like mindfulness. Right. So we also put in place some time for just some um, quiet time where they can really bring themselves back to what's going to happen for the, the second half of the day. And I think that really serves those students who really need that quiet time. And I think that's what the, the work that Neela does right. with mindfulness. And I was just thinking about the energizer thing. One thing, I don't know if she's done it in your class, but she does the energy ball. Has she done the energy ball? So she basically gets kids with both their hands. Imagine that I'm holding a tennis ball with both my hands. Right. So she gets them to identify their level of energy by... Um, comparing it to a ball of some sort. So mm -hmm. some kids might be pretending to hold a big Swiss ball, you know, okay. the bouncy ball that sure. you sit on, whereas some kids might be holding something the size of a marble. Okay. So it's all about getting them to identify what their current energy state is. And it's a really good way just to individually see the students and their energy levels in the moment. Um, I think that Again, responsive classroom is something that you really have to devote yourself to. And the common, I don't want to say criticism at all. However, some teachers really feel that they just have to keep up with the content and the curriculum and that they don't have time for this type of thing. It's a common thing when I, when I present at workshops, even though I, a lot of the work that I present is in PE, strategies to keep kids active. There's always a few teachers in every workshop who will say, well, our job is to keep them active. So what you're doing here is actually getting them to sit still. And it's not about getting them to sit still. It's investing time and energy and planting the seeds for social and emotional learning to develop right. and empathy to develop. Right. And when you do that, it's a win-win for everybody. So how do you balance the demands of the curriculum and content and all of that with responsive classroom and energizers and all of this? Yeah. And it's, your point is such a valid one because I think we become so blinded by the stuff, the, the teaching stuff, the, the content that we have to get through that we push the children to the side in some ways. We, we really sort of neglect them. And it, it was only in, in my practice and in learning more about responsive classroom. And again, it's, these aren't new things. They've been around for a long mm -hmm. time. And I think we all engage in them um, every day, but really when you're in tune with your kids and the need and their particular needs, you, you just stop what you're doing and you say, Oh, okay. It looks like we're not focusing as well as we could be. Mm -hmm. What do we need? The kids tell you, they'll, they'll come out and tell you exactly what they need. They need. Yeah. Um, and it just makes for a more honest, respectful environment, I think. And then they could be more productive. They're Absolutely. then able to work to their fullest potential. And, and what teacher doesn't want that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's common to see in, in all schools, if you walk the hallways of the school, especially during transition times, um, it's common to see, to see teachers, you can immediately see the teachers who place this internal pressure on themselves to keep up with the day. And, and it manifests itself in, in lots of different ways. And like uh, Mark Church, we have a visiting consultant this week from um, Harvard uh, Grounds, what, what's Project Zero. Project Zero. Yeah, Ron Richards' work. So uh, the consultant Mark Church says, 
We might not be saying it with our lips, but the culture of the classroom and the culture of the school is constantly communicating certain messages to kids. So when you walk around <clears throat> the hallways of schools and you see teachers saying, hurry up, you're late, get there, or go to the bathroom quickly and catch up with us, the reoccurring message is we're under the gun, we're under pressure, you got to get going, you know, you're too slow. Right. You know, and it's it's responsive classroom helps to develop strategies of presence and awareness, you know, and and the message that we bring to kids, which can often be very negative and telling them that they're too slow, that they're causing us to be late. And it really just allows you to drop into the present moment and, and you know, to raise the importance of self-awareness within the group and to slow down and really be in tune with one another. For sure. For sure. And, and you're right. You know, you, you can see the level of almost anxiety amongst the kids as, as tra transitions happen. And, you know, they have to get from one end of the school to the other. Um, some of that is just built in. Mm -hmm. They're excited about, you know, a change. Um, but I think some of it is the culture of, of the school. Mm -hmm. And I think once the school accepts uh, a management style, uh, like responsive classroom, I think you can really foster such a strong, positive community across the board. And kids are very receptive to it as well. Yeah, they and like that structure. Of course, you know, they, they, they like, like that the structure, structure yeah. but they also have like they value the the opportunity to have a voice in in their choices yeah. of, of what it might look like. You know, yeah. When you say, "What energizer do you want to do?" Yeah, for sure. Um, so if if there's somebody listening to this who again had no idea what responsive classroom is, so they can a Google it. They can uh, learn about it that way. Uh, there's lots of resources about responsive classroom. But for those teachers listening who didn't know anything about it before the episode began, and now they've just gotten a glimpse into it, what is something that you can recommend that they can apply instantly tomorrow morning as a starting point for just beginning to tinker with the process of implementing responsive classroom? I, I think that's really easy. I think you need to... Give time um, to your students. I think you need to take five minutes, not even five minutes, three minutes to come together as a class and to talk in a respectful way and to give each student, each child a, an opportunity to either greet each other. I think that would be a perfect opportunity right. to greet each other because you're really building the bonds amongst each other. Sometimes these, we don't realize, but our students don't really talk to each other yeah. unless we set that up. Do you model or do you... Yeah, a um, lot of... Yeah, do you, do you talk about the explicit? Because a simple greeting where they're staring off in space into the corner rather than looking into the eyes of the student that they're greeting, there's lots of little tools <laughs> Correct. to the kids' yes. needs. So that's part of the process. Interactive well. modeling is very much a process. Yeah. And, and the students themselves model it. I model it. Yeah. And you revisit, revisit, revisit. Yeah. So they become familiar with certain greetings so then they know what to expect but everything starts with very explicit teaching and very explicit language yeah so you're saying a, a kind of a seed that they can plant straight away is to take five minutes or even less just to have the class come together and to greet one another sure and to make eye contact and in some way allow everybody 
to feel as though they've been greeted, greeted and, and, and they're uh, important recognized. giving them value. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, Siobhan, thank you very much for being on the, the show. That's a, a great insight into how you're using responsive classroom. Uh, I'll include links to responsive classroom and any uh, resources. So if you can recommend any links, then I'll share them in the show notes that goes sure. out. There's lots of them. Okay. So thank you very much, Siobhan. Thank you, Andy. Okay. Uh, everybody, thank you for listening to this GES Insightful Classroom Teacher Series with Siobhan, uh, grade four teacher. Uh, John Davidson I, and I will listen to this episode and uh, share our thoughts. Um, so you can listen to that next. And next week, Melissa McQuaid will be on the show. I keep saying that with each episode, and Melissa's super busy right now. She just needs a little more time, so we're going to do that this week, and she'll be on next time. Okay, thanks, everybody. Okay, so I'm sitting with John right now, and we're going to just do a quick little reflection um, on Siobhan's episode. So, John, I'll just begin by just sharing my thoughts, and then Mm -hmm. you can share your thoughts, and we'll have a little dialogue about it. But um, I think what struck me the most is just knowing Siobhan's past as a third culture kid and having grown up in Africa and experiencing the first 12 years of her life or, or 10 years she moved to Africa when she was two, and then moving back to the States and really having a hard time fitting in. And I think what she brings with her is a real sense of empathy uh, and really feeling for, for those kids that are um, might be struggling or might need more routine and they might need opportunities to develop social and emotional wellness. So I think, you know, she's bringing elements of responsive classroom into what she does to to kind of help develop those tools that will hopefully lead to greater uh, social and emotional wellness with her students. And not only that, but a lot of teachers will try these things out and they don't stick with them. And they'll try it out for, you know, a couple weeks and then they'll let it kind of drop to the side because something else becomes a priority. And what she made very clear is that no matter what happens Um, in school she will not sacrifice it so even if she has limited time she's still going to do some element of the morning meeting to set the tone for the day and to check in with her kids and I think that uh, shows her dedication and commitment to the social emotional um, wellness side of uh, learning so that's what really struck me with this episode yeah I think what struck me was that um Sure, there's not many people out there who think that these extrinsic uh, motivational tools that we've got are a good idea anymore. You know, the the stickers and the smiley faces and and those charts on the wall. Um, But this, this, I think, just shows the the power of of opening up a conversation with the students. And you mentioned Mark Church earlier on in the interview, and I was thinking back to the work that he and Ron Richard does. Um, When they talk about the eight cultural forces... You think about those in relation to what Siobhan said. It's all about the time. It's all about the routines. It's all about the interactions. It's all about those expectations. I thought this just fits perfectly. It's like a jigsaw. And it's, at one level, you know, you feel like this is great. But then you, you think, yeah, well, it's part of what we should be doing anyway. We shouldn't just be giving a pat on the head and a sticker to a kid. We should be offering them the opportunity to talk about issues devote time to it and give them the language and model it. Yeah, and that is really evident. And 
in the work that she does. And, and you're, you're very right. And it's that idea of the, the cultural forces. And I, I want to just reemphasize what I had said that Mark, what stuck out uh, about Mark's visit at first day when he said to us, we might be saying something with our lips. Um, words might be coming out of our, our mouths, but it's the, it's the culture that actually speaks volumes and the culture that actually um, provides evidence for really placing value in these things. So I think Siobhan really demonstrated that, uh, has demonstrated that in the work that she does. And it'll be great to see how the responsive classroom, some of those elements continue to unfold during the school year and maybe spill over to, I know other teachers in the school are doing elements of it as well, but the more teachers that take this approach, the more it spills over and becomes a, a greater part of the culture at GES. Yeah. yeah. Like also, you said in the interview, it's not about. There's, there's a great deal of pressure on on teachers to to get through things, and sometimes you know these these routines can slip away. But this routine is more than just a tool. It's a, it's a way in which you recreate culture. And if we can have a culture where students are valued for their thinking, they're also thinking about their the way in which they relate to each other, the way in which uh, they get on with each other, and that is totally to do with academics. So yeah. they are intrinsic. They can't be broken apart. Yeah, they talk about those, and that's going to have an impact on the academic side of their life as well. Yeah, for sure. So everybody, thanks for listening to this episode with uh, Siobhan and uh, listening to John and I share our thoughts. Uh, we keep saying, John, that Melissa McQuaid is coming on the show. Well, she is next week. <laughs> she is on the show. Yeah. So everybody, thanks, and uh, we hope you come back to listen to next week's episode. Thanks for listening to the Run Your Life podcast by Andy Bassett. To check out show notes, get some more information about Andy as well as his guests, head to our website, 21clradio.com.